Good morning. My name is Rob Daniels and welcome to Visions and Sound. Now, for those that may be joining me for the very first time, Visions and Sound is a movie, TV, and video game soundtrack program that I produce each and every week right here on 98.5 CKWR. Well, here we are, show number 47 of 2023 and show number 1205 if you're keeping track that way. This week, we conclude November. I Still have trouble saying that, but we conclude November with a celebration of the 90th anniversary of King Kong. Now, joining me this week on the show to help me talk about all things ape, we have all the way from Ramsgate, England, Jason Drury. Jason, great to have you on the show. Good morning. Yes, I'm glad glad to be here eventually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Just had a few technical problems this end, but it was, it looks like we've sorted them out now. So that's a good. Well, that's just just a lick of time. That's good. Yes, I noticed that it was pr- getting pretty close to the top of the hour, and then all of a sudden you showed up, and I'm like, okay, good. He's going to be on the show. Yes, that's what I was hoping to be on, and I had a bit of a shock, but we got we got there at the end. All right. Well, that's good. All right. So this week. As I said, we're going to be celebrating the 90th anniversary of King Kong. Now, King Kong is the 1933 adventure horror monster film directed and produced by Marion C. Cooper and Ernest B. Hopefully I'm pronouncing this correctly. Shodasak. With special effects by Willis H. O'Brien. Produced and distributed, in this case, by RKO Radio Pictures. It is the first film in the King Kong franchise. Now, the film stars Fay Ray, Robert Armstrong, and Bruce Cabot. In the film, a giant ape, dubbed Kong, captured from Skull Island, attempts to possess a beautiful young woman, as, as such as, as it happens. King Kong originally opened in New York City on March 2nd, 1933, to rave reviews, and has since been ranked as the greatest horror film of all time. Now, I would dispute that, but there we go. A sequel, titled... Son of Kong was fast-tracked to the, and released the same year, with several more films made in the following decades, including two remakes that were made in 1976 and 2005, respectively, and a reboot in 2017. Now, I don't actually remember the first time I saw the film, but I do remember studying it as a high school film course. I also remember the television theme song. Jason, I don't know if you remember this. King Kong, you know the name of King Kong. You know the fame of King Kong. Ten times as big as a man. No. You don't remember you don't you don't remember that? That I was think, I don't think that was shown here. That was catchy. Um I don't remember where I saw I, that, but that I, I I know the Godzilla song. Oh yeah, the guy Oh, oh from the depths, twenty stories high. Yes, Godzilla. And, Godzilla, Godzilla and Godzilla. <laughs> well, well, we'll we'll get on to Godzilla perhaps a little later on. Um, like I said, I don't actually remember seeing the film the first time, but yeah, the, 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 it was that it was that television theme song that jumped out at me. Now the score here was composed by Max Steiner, and the soundtrack has been released in many forms over the years. But today we'll be listening to the 1997 re-recording. On Marco Polo Records uh, by the Moscow Symphony Orchestra conducted by William J. Stromberg. Now, Jason, when did you first see King Kong? Well, obviously, I did not see it at the cinema. It was a bit too, too a long time ago, 90 years ago. But yep. I've seen it on television, and it is an amazing film. But the importance of the film, it is one of those films like, for example, for Star Wars. It is an epoch in 
in, 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 very important film in terms of film scoring because of this was one of the first films where the music was part of you know part of the action. Yeah, neurogenetic, and at the time it's a, it's a very it's a long story. It's, I did an interview with Stephen C. Smith who talked about this and. The important thing about this film is, is as I say, it's one of the most important films in, in, in the history of film because it's the first proper film score. Mm-hmm. One of the first proper film scores. The very first film score, in a way, was uh, Max Steiner's Symphony for Six Million. But it was, uh, it was Steiner was from the started in the world of theatre. He scored a lot of theatre yeah. stuff, and he tried to use that experience into into, into the movies. The problem with movies, though, producers thought if it was background, people would be wondering where does where does the music come from? Like, is this King Kong going to have like a symphony orchestra following about playing music all the time? <laughs> you know, like like, like uh, if Luke Skywalker jumped over the chasm, would it often symphony have to jump over with him and follow him about everywhere? <laughs> <laughs> some 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 company off on a Death Star, or something like that. Yeah, is, even yeah, even just two yeah. even just two years earlier for, yeah. uh, in in thirty one with Frankenstein, there was only an opening and closing theme. So this yeah. was this was pretty big for for film yeah. at that time. Yeah, it was a very very important movie, and and the people got to thank it first with Max Steiner and Robert Selznick who trusted Steiner to, for this approach to do this approach because it's never been done before you know it's it's theatrical music people it's just people were still building where was the music coming from because you used to talk because at the time they did films the music came from the source you could see like there was a band outside playing a tune or something like that or, or, or a radio or, or radio or something, something but this this was one of the you know it was as I said, it was experimented on from Steiner first of all this, Feel what nobody knows, of course, simply for six million. Mm-hmm. But then he kept going. It was his whole King Kong. The bees. He said it was a very important. That a sort of background score. So the so the, the David O. Sesnick, who at the time was the head of LKO, trusted Steiner to do what he had to do to, to do this do this thing. So he ended up with. Even though at the time RKO was struggling with money, they were they were coming bankrupt. So this film had had to be successful. Yeah, well. So, I'm... so so Steiner he got, got, got even I think he had to use some of his own money to get the orchestra. The forty it was an orchestra of forty six players who like doubled out. So likely, in a way, it's an eighty piece orchestra. That's why the the soundtrack album for so you, we're about to hear sounds absolutely amazing. I heard it last night. It's brilliant. Yeah. And if it wasn't for this score, it's like. It's like it's like another case like the Star Wars. If you order for this score, we know you may never do vision and sounds. Yes, it's such an important score for terms of film music. Steiner was the, one of the biggest, one of the most important pioneers of film music, and this is probably where the proper the world of film music kind of started, thanks to King Kong. Yeah. Well, then let's get right to it. This is Max Steiner's score to King Kong, the 1933 film, in this case performed by the Moscow Symphony Orchestra under William J. Schoenberg, Stromberg, sorry, Stromberg, uh, conducting in this case, and yeah, this is is a complete recording on Marco Polo, which was uh, done in 90, well, recorded in 96, released in 97. So here we go with a little bit of music from King Kong.
And with a little bit of music from the 1933 film King Kong. It's music by Max Steiner. We'll get back to that in just a second. But if you're interested in any of the film, television, or video game music that I do play here on the show, by all means, you can contact me at, of course, visionsinsound at gmail.com. You can also try me online at facebook.com slash visionsinsound. I am on the Twitter at Visions Sound. You can also find me on my website, visionsinsound.ca, where this show will appear in about a couple of hours' time. And you can also find me on the many pod, or actually, you can find me on Good Pods, first of all, a downloadable app for your phone or other type devices. And you can also find me on the many podcatchers that are out there, including Apple Music. So, like I said, welcome back to Visions and Sound, as this week we are celebrating the 90th, 90th anniversary of King Kong. And, uh, Jason, I once heard that uh, the reason why Max Steiner's music was so um, bombastic and that sort of thing was the fact that the speakers of the time were not up to the uh, uh, up to the uh, to the sound quality that they are today. So the music had to be bombastic to be heard. Yes, and if I've had somewhere yesterday, that's what I think put in what we see. Even Stephen Smith's book that they had a problem recording the brass because the brass was very bombastic. It's the sound that on in that with that we recording, but they did have a problem mixing the brass and the, the string section. The brass did overwhelm the strings at the time, and it took a while for the orchestra for films to, to record the orchestra properly. So that it, it, it sounded perfect. It, it, it took it. It was. But, but the t- remember, this is 1933. This, this yes. is like a. This is like the pioneer. You know? This is just the start of more or less what, ten, ten years before that. Like, talking when it just began. So it was all, all new stuff and just learning as they went along. And even the music itself is like pioneering in its ways. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not. A, it's not an all-out film score as yet. It's, it's just a. You put it something basic. Is it, it's a small link to the opera, certainly an opera yep. that an actual film score at the moment. But in a way, but this is probably one of the, the romantic sort of film music. Start was that, that's how film music started. Is that romantic sort of feel, and then and then as it, it progressed, other styles turned up and added, added to the added to the genre. Well, but, I, I'll I'll go back to Corngold and his his yeah. music for the for the Seahawk or yeah. for um, the Adventures of Robin Hood. There's yeah. a very much a theatrical um, basis in that in that score in in those I, scores. I, and I think both Steiner and Cole did write operas. Yes, and it has, it has an operatic feel to it. And it, as I said, this, it, that's why the romantic style came on the early stages. One of the most important is the, the style of, of fi- what film music was. This sort of kind of romantic period. Then other composers came in, like Herbert and Herman, as you say. Alfred Newman, and de- developed the style we have today. Mm-hmm. All the different styles we have today, because you know, because and so we, we can't stress more the importance of the score. The, the film itself, of course, is pioneering in lots of ways too. It, you know, lots of comp- lots of people like Spielberg and other, other film directors have been influenced by this film. They wanted to make way Harry House and one of his uh, right. one of his I think his his father one of his uh, one of his things one of his relatives was involved with the special effects of that and he came into came into doing his stop motion animation film. I, I will get into Carl. that. I will get into that in just a second. I, I, I'm sure there I'm sure there's a link there. Yeah. And, and 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 to be honest, I actually have 
I think a long time ago, I actually did, I actually have seen the actual model of King Kong. Ah. A long time ago. It was in, it was a place in the South Bank called the Museum of Moving Image, and King Kong wasn't that big. No. <laughs> it Why? was very, very, it's like, it's like a very small creature. I, I do remember how small it was, <laughs> but it was amazing, amazing to look at. Yep. And it's, it's, it's an actual thing they use sort of stop motion animation that produced oh. those amazing effects for the time. It, it, it was, was you've got to think of King Kong as like 1930s Jurassic Park in some ways. True, true. It broke, it broke so much new ground. Yeah. And and, also, and and that's why I feel about hmm. even, you know, like, it's one of those things, if it weren't, weren't for King Kong, one of those films, one for King Kong, we probably be doing this show today. Exactly. Even though ninety, even though it's ninety years on, people started getting interested in film music and the films thanks to King Kong, and it's influenced so many people over the years. Yeah. You know, Spielberg, so many other great, direct, other great directors, Cameron over. You may, it's such an important movie. Yes, and for so many reasons. Yeah. Now, uh, every once in a while, I keep hearing a little voice that wants to wants to make herself heard. So, who is that? That's my little munchie. Oh. Okay, my little munchie. I think she's. I think she's trying to bring get my partner to come up as well. She wasn't. <laughs> okay, like I said, I just wanted. I just wanted to. to I, kind I, of... I, I do apologise for the noises off, but uh, it's. Uh, oh no! It's, a, it's, it's, my, it's my little friendly cat. It's 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 part of the show. It's part of the show. That's all. That's okay. You, 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 your your sidekick is Gimli. My sidekick's Munchie. Yes. There we go. So now the now. King Kong grossed, and I mean, this doesn't sound like a lot, but in 1933, it was a huge thing. $90,000 in its opening weekend. Yeah. And that's, you know, probably equal to, like, you know, the highest of the of the, of the grosses in, 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 today's, in today's bucks. Now, the biggest opening ever at the time. Now, Marion C. Cooper's first vision of the film uh, was the giant ape on top of the world's tallest building, fighting airplanes. He worked backwards from there to develop the rest of the story. The trees and plants in the background on the stop-motion animation sets were a combination of metal models and real plants. Now, this is an interesting story. Yeah. One day during filming, a flower on the miniature set bloomed without anyone noticing. <laughs> the error in continuity was not noticed until the film was developed and shown. While Kong moved, a time-lapse effect showed the flower coming into full bloom. <laughs> Unfortunately, an entire day of animation was lost. Now, King Kong is well known, speaking of animation, for its groundbreaking use of special effects, such as stop-motion animation, matte painting, rear projection, and miniatures of all, uh, are all of which were conceived dec uh, decades before the digital age. Numerous prehistoric creatures, including inhabiting Skull Island, were brought to life through the use of stop-motion animation by Willis H. O'Brien. And his assistant animator, Buzz Gibson. He would have man, man in Tim Brontosaurus. Yes. And <laughs> <laughs> a few and a few mistakes there, but never mind. Yeah. <laughs> the stop motion animation scenes were painstaking and difficult to achieve and complete after the special effects crew realized that they could not stop because it would make the movements of the creatures seem inconsistent and the lighting would not have the same intensity. Over the many days it took to fully animate a finished sequence, a device called the surface gauge was used in order to keep track of the stop-motion animation, or the animation performance. Uh, the iconic fight between Kong and the Tyrannosaurus took seven weeks to be completed. Now, 
we just we we touched on this. Brian O'Brien's protege, Her, Ray Harryhausen, who later wow. worked on on him worked with him rather on several films, stated that O'Brien's second wife noticed that there was so there's so much of her in, of her husband rather in Kong. So let's continue on with some more of Max Steiner's music from the 1933 King Kong as we're celebrating 90 years of the film. Back in a bit.
And with a little bit of music from the 1933 film King Kong. That's music by Max Steiner. Well, if you're interested in any of the film, television, or video game music that I do play here on the show, by all means, you can contact me at, of course, visionsinsound at gmail.com. You can also try me online at facebook.com slash visionsinsound. I am on the Twitter at visionsound. You can also try me on my website, visionsinsound.ca. And there is a current Black Friday sale going on the, the, on my, my store. So if you want to look stylish this winter in your hoodie or maybe a nice warm, uh, well, nice warm T-shirt or something like that, oh. go there and uh, by all means, check it out. Oh. So, yes. And uh, so, yeah, welcome back. Oh, I'm also, sorry, I'm also on... I'm also on Good Pods, a downloadable app for your phone or other type of devices, and you can also try me on on many other the many other podcatchers that are out there, including Apple Music. So, welcome back to Visions and Sound. As this week we are celebrating the 90th 90th anniversary of King Kong. Now, not directly because of King Kong, but the production code's stricter decency rules <laughs> were put into effect in. In Hollywood after the film's 1933 release. And it was progressively censored further, with several scenes either being trimmed or removed altogether. So now, here are some, here's a list of, of some of the scenes that were removed the Brontosaurus mauling crew members in the water, chasing one up a tree and killing him. Kong undressing and... Just, just like in real life. Yes, just like in real life. Yes, Kong would do that, would they? But yes, Kong undressing and Darrow and then sniffing his fingers. Ooh. Kong biting and stepping on natives when he attacks the village. Kong, Kong biting a man in New York, which, which I mean, a homeless, a homeless man in New York will bite you, so Kong biting you is nothing new. Kong mistakenly... What's that? He's got big teeth. He's a giant man. He's a big King Kong. He's enormous. He's biting a man. He's just a man so small. And he's biting. <laughs> How? How does... <laughs> really? Yes. Kong mistaking a sleeping woman for Anne Darrow um, and dropping her to her death after realizing his mistake. An additional scene portraying giant insects, spiders, and a reptile-like predator and tentacle creature devouring the crew members shaken off the log by Kong onto the floor of the canyon below was deemed too gruesome by RKO, even by pre-code standards. And thus the scene was was self-censored by the studio prior to the original release. Now the footage is considered lost, with the exception of only a few stills and pre-production drawings. Now RKO did not preserve copies of the film's negative or release prints with the excised footage. And the cut scenes were considered lost for many years. However, in 1969, a 16mm print, including the censored footage, was found in Philadelphia. The cut scenes were added to the film, restoring it to its original theatrical running time of 100 minutes. Over the next two decades, Universal Studios undertook further photochemical restorations of King Kong. This was based on a 1942 release print with the mix missing sensor cuts taken from a 1937 print, which contained heavy vertical scratches from projection. An original release print was located in the UK in the 1980s and was found to contain the, cuts, the cut scenes in better quality. 
After a six-year worldwide search for the best surviving materials, a further fully digital restoration utilizing 4K resolution scanning was completed by Warner Brothers in in 2005. This restoration also had a four-minute overture added, bringing the overall running time to 104 minutes. Now, somewhat controversial, and I don't know how you feel about this, Jason. King yes. Kong was colorized. Sacrilege. In 1989, Turner Home, uh, for a, in 1989, Turner Home Video Entertainment release. The following year, the colorized version was shown on Turner's TNT channel. Yeah, Turner tried to, to, uh, colorize a lot of those early, those old films. Yes. And King Kong did not need it. It was made in black and white. It should have stayed in black and exactly. white. It's not, giving, it's not giving a happier ending. Well, I seem to recall um, an episode of Siskel and Ebert where the... And, and I've actually used this title. And, uh, and this, uh, this is what somebody who this week saw a colorized version of Doctor Who and the Daleks, the second Doctor Who adventure. So that... It was okay, but I, was, I watched it and liked it, but... Anyway, I preferred it in the original black and white, but that's that's my opinion. Other people may prefer the colour, but but yeah, um, that's, the, what I, that's what I feel about it. Yeah, so the Siskel and Ebert show was called Hail Hail Black and White, and one of the films that they featured was King Kong, and uh, in the original black and white. And you know what? There are a lot of great black and white films out there. Black and white photography, specifically. Um, I don't know if you ever got a chance to see it in black and white, but I got a I got a very interesting chance to see Mad Max Fury Road in black and white. It definitely gives the film an, a really interesting look. Now, apparently, there is also a uh, a version of Logan that was released yeah. in yes. black and in black yeah. and white. Yeah. Now, this is not just desaturating the colors, and they actually re kind of reformatted it for a black and white. Uh, black and white um, a showing. So like I said, it's not just desaturated and, and shown in, in black and white. There's actually a little bit of a process going on here. Okay. I would... I, I've only ever seen the... Uh, excuse me. I've only ever seen uh, King Kong on um, on TV. I don't... I actually don't own a DVD version of it. So I'd really like to see what it looks like in... in in either Blu-ray or, or uh, a really good format. Yeah, or black and blue way, stupid. Black and white and blue are super, really, really good. So, yeah, uh, uh, films made in black and white were photographed to be f- to be shown in black and white. Other exactly. good examples of black and white films like The Third Man. As that is a terrific film to see in black and white. Right. So, so many great films were, you know, they if you put them in colour. It, it, it makes it, it won't be as good. The film, particularly using the black and white textures of of, of it, all the grayness of it. Yeah. So, colorizing these films is crazy. Yeah, as you said, sacrilege. All right. Well, why don't we return to uh, the 1933 classic Max Steiner score to King Kong? As we're kind of getting close to wrapping things up in a, well, in a... Even the music sounds this in black and white, doesn't it? Yes. It, 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 it's a black and white feel in the music. You it, know it, what? It, it, is, it is... It has to be like black and white. Yes. It has, it has that feel. It, it, it brings me to... I think it was David Bell who did the music for um, Chaotica, one of the Chaotica episodes for... Yes. He did it in mono and that's what gave... What, what it make, has it sound... Has that... that Black and white, as you put it, black and yeah. white sound. It is. It's great. If you, if you, if you, you know, 
nostalgic. Had that just real lovely nostalgic feel. And I, mean, that, that, I, I do remember that score on Voyager. That was, that was very well done and very well well produced by David Bell. It's a, it's yeah. a good, it's a one a very good score because he took the images of black and white and he filmed it like it was a black and white serial, and it was sounded great. Exactly. All right. Well, let's return to. Uh, the King Kong music by Max Steiner and we'll be back in just a little bit to talk more about um, the sequel actually to to uh, King Kong which was released in the same year which is kind of interesting as well but we'll get to that when we get to it so here's some more music from King Kong as we are celebrating 90 years of the film
with a little bit of music from the 1933 film King Kong. That's music by Max Steiner. We'll be playing a final cue from uh, from that uh, score in just a little bit. But before I do, if you're interested in any of the film, television, or video game music that I do play here on the show, by all means, you can contact me at, of course, visionsinsound at gmail.com. You can also try me online at facebook.com slash visionsinsound. I'm on the Twitter at Visions Sound. You can also try me on my website, visionsinsound.ca, where this show will appear in about a couple of hours' time. And you can also find me on Good Pods, a downloadable app for your phone or other type devices. And I can also be found on many other podcatchers. Just type in Visions and Sound and you can find me that way. Um, I'm also included on Apple Music as well. So welcome back to Visions and Sound, as this week we are looking at, or celebrating in this case, the 90th anniversary of King Kong. Now, as mentioned before, a sequel was inevitable. But wow, the direct sequel to the 1933 film was released a mere nine months after the original King Kong film. In the early 60s, RKO had licensed the King Kong character to Japanese studio Toho. uh, You know, the Godzilla people. And produced uh, two King Kong films, King Kong vs. Godzilla which also was the third film in Toho's long-running Godzilla series, and King Kong Escapes, both directed by Ishiro Honda. These films are mostly unrelated to the original and follow a very different style. So, yes, we're going to talk about Son of Kong, or The Son of Kong. Uh, This is a very, uh, like, to me, they must have majorly fast-tracked um, Son of Kong into the theater because to get it out with all that animation in a mere nine months must have just been. But then I've heard actually Harryhausen, who actually worked on the, the the effects for Son of Kong, prefers Son of Kong to King Kong for his work on this on the, the on the on the movie. So have you? I have not seen Son of Kong. Have you seen Son of Kong? No, no I think I've seen clips of it, but I haven't seen the film in its entirety. Okay. Well, why don't? But, but I've listened to the score, and it's it's a good it's a good score, and it's also links to as you alluded to hint of King Kong's theme in there that that theme note theme you've heard yes about the score we've referred to in the show that appears in this version as in in Song of Kong as well, and it's it's a typical well done. Score by Max Steiner. I've noticed though, both scores have a very jazzy influence. There's a, there's a saxophone, there's a yes. lot of a very jazzy feel to it at times. But. All right. Well, why don't we have a listen to a little bit of it before we wrap up the show? As we mentioned before, this is also scored by Max Steiner with a slightly different style, but nonetheless, a Kong style nonetheless. So here is some music from the follow up sequel. And this still blows my mind. Nine months after the original Kong. Son of Kong with music by Max Steiner.
start with a little bit of music from the son of Kong, in this case, also by Max Steiner. Well, that's all for us this week. Hope you enjoyed the show, and thanks for sticking around those that did. So as we are rounding out 2023, I hope as you are getting on with your day that you realize just how awesome you are. Never let anyone tell you any different. If you're ever not feeling right, there are people out there that care about you and are willing to chat. If not family, then some professional who can help. As Rocky said, nobody hits harder than life. And I know from personal experience how hard it is for me sometimes to sit behind this mic week after week when I feel like no one cares. I would never have made it this far without the support of a huge team of people behind me. If you or someone you know is in crisis and needs help, resources are available. In case of an emergency, please call 911 for immediate help. The Canadian Association for Suicide Prevention, Depression Hurts, Kids Help Phone at 1-800-668-6868, 1-844-HERE-247, and here247.ca all offer ways of getting help if you or someone you know may be suffering from mental health issues. Well, join me next week as we head into December for a rather unusual look at the 50th anniversary of Shaft in Africa. So, heading off uh, this week, uh, Jason, when in about 30 seconds, can you let me know what else is coming up for you this in, in the next little while? Well, I've just been released my interview with Ian McDonald about his love of John Barry. I did and it's another John Barry program, which there I love John for your station. I do a lot of this these days. I've got a couple of interviews for Film School Monthly. I'm working on the moment. And also some interesting shows on the archive. An in- interesting interview with a Italian composer about a very interesting musical which he's worked on. And also a special archive show on some film re-recordings of composers like James Hilton Howard and Natalie Portman have worked, uh, Rachel Portman <laughs> I should say uh, Rachel, Rachel Portman produced uh, some interesting re-recordings of their film scores which I shall be featuring on my archive show amongst some other interesting stuff so cool. that's coming up in the very near future from me on the Cinematic Sound Radio Podcast Network awesome well thank you Jason once again for being on the show hopefully we'll get a chance to meet up again in the future Absolutely. All right. I'll end off this week's show with some more music from the original 1933 King Kong by Franz Waxman. And I'll be back next week with more. (laughs) Max Steiner. Or sorry, sorry, Max Steiner. (laughs) Holy mackerel. Why did I I screw that up? Max Steiner. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. Max Steiner. It's one one. I'll be back next week with more. It's, 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 it's two o'clock in the morning. So it's, it's, it's getting late now. Yeah. We're losing our minds. All right. <laughs> Have a good night. We'll talk to you next week with more visions and sound. Mm-hmm.